This is episode 220 of How About That Cigar, recorded live at the Corona Cigar Studio. We have Steve Saka on the show to talk about Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust and some other industry topics. Please take a minute to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Now on with the show. Corona Cigar Company is your one-stop shop for all your cigar needs. Whether that's a brand new humidor, a box of those new cigars you've been waiting for, a top-of-the-line cutter or lighter, a place to enjoy the finest cigars and spirits with friends, or the only cigars grown right here in the Sunshine State, we've got you covered. Come visit one of our retail locations for the ultimate cigar experience. Visit us online at coronacigar.com. How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corona Cigar Studios for episode 220 of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much for watching live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and if you're listening after the fact on the audio podcast, thank you so much for making How About That Cigar a part of your regular audio podcast rotation. Uh, Take just a minute, if you would, please join us in the comments. Let everybody know what you're smoking, what you're drinking along with us this evening. We have a fantastic special guest coming up in just a few moments. Um, But let's bring on our fantastic, wonderful producer, Justin. Justin, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Yes, sir. How are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm doing well. How about you all? You know what? It's... It's uh, it's snowing. Yeah, there's that. So, <laughs> it's, what are you what are you gonna do? You know, it is what it is. It's you know part of life. So it's Minnesota. It's snowing. Whatever. You know. Yeah. Halloween. You know, it's whatever. What are you gonna yeah. do for the kids? Yeah, it's the snow is for the kids. Yeah. Because Can you guys remember? Nineteen ninety one. Ninety one. Halloween snowstorm. So I. I was in Texas. No, uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. Lucky bastard. Yeah. I moved from that. That's the year that I moved from it, late summer. I moved from Indiana to Wisconsin, but Wisconsin, like right by the Minnesota border. So yeah, I got that baptism because that whole area caught the blizzard too. Mm-hmm. So I caught that baptism of uh, uh, up north winters. The as basically within a few months of me moving up here. So we were having a Halloween party. And we had to drag these kegs, six of them, up to a house. And we had everybody show up still, but no one left. Oh, we partied all night could, long. Nobody yeah, no could, could leave. leave. Yeah. So it was a hell of a night. It was, I remember also when I was a kid, and this, if anybody was in uh, sort of the central Midwest, like Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, in 1978, there was a horrible blizzard. And we got absolutely destroyed. Um, and I mean, I was just a kid, but mm-hmm. that we got hammered. Well, I mean, could be in South Padre, you know, and like, I think 2004 is the first time I've ever snowed down there in like 75 years. <laughs> they didn't know what to do. With the I'll take it. Like, I was yeah. following you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was down South Padre and it snowed and like somebody, so like, I think they sold a snowball for like, you know, $10,000 or something. <laughs> somebody bought it off eBay or some stupid shit like that. I, I would take it over the, like four straight weeks of uh like minus 20 bone chilling temperatures see yeah i'm different i'd rather get the the cold rather than the snow no 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 yes no i i I mean i I don't want either that's the problem i've lived up here i've lived up here in the north for what now 32 years 
Um, I don't like any of it. I want to live in Texas or Florida. And, Texas don't sound bad. But my wife was born and raised here. She loves it here, and I'm never leaving. Texas is calling me. Although she has hinted, now that your kids are getting older, and, and she's hinted, like, maybe someday we could you know go so so i'm just i i just keep pushing gently like little hints like okay you know wouldn't it be nice to go somewhere warm right now or or what if we didn't have to worry about going some if we were just always somewhere warm i have a question for you. <laughs> what's that if you did move somewhere warm would you still be a green bay packer fan of course i would oh that was That's mean, like asking if you'd still be a jets fan get the hell out of here yeah <laughs> we're not a, we, uh, we're not fair weather fans. i was trying to segment into our next i know oh, i know oh, so you mean there was a game yesterday well honestly i didn't really change the sh i didn't change the show notes much for this green bay they sucks <laughs> that's that's exactly what i had on the notes last week green bay sucks and they still suck and but the vikings don't the vikings are gonna suck again the because vikings, we lost our quarterback the vikings uh you know regardless of how you feel about the vikings you never want to see a good player uh go down with a uh really horrible injury and and this is the year of the achilles and you it's the turf it's a shitty turf that they're putting in and you could see it pop too when he stepped yeah, back. it was Ooh, a non-contact injury it was basically the exact same thing that happened to rogers six weeks ago it was it was ugly maybe i'm the curse those are my no it's, you're not the my curse favorite i promise you're not the curse all right so but the the jets i mean they won it was the ugliest but game they, this year. They barely beat the Giants. It was Giants the ugliest game this year. In overtime. That was an ugly. I watched oh, the highlights. <laughs> that was an ugly game, bro. <laughs> but, I mean, a, I, I, they say a win is a win, but oh, that one almost didn't feel like a win if got, you're a Jets fan. I won five cigars for Michael because he's a Jet, Giants fan. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I already had mine paid off, and then they kicked that last-second field goal to go into overtime. Yeah. Uh, so as we speak, uh, World Series Game Seven, uh, Rangers at Diamondbacks. Game seven. Or sorry, uh, Game Three, World Series. Ooh, I'm like, where was <laughs> I this week? Like, World, se <laughs> World Series Game Three, uh, and I'll uh, I'll see if I can grab the score here. Um, and it's, I mean, it's it's even evened up one game apiece right now. I really want to see Texas so do I. win this, um, but I don't know. The Diamondbacks are. I, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm I'm happy for them. Oh, it's three nothing Rangers right now, so I'm yeah, happy about that. Me. The Diamondbacks is just it's such a nonsensical story. Why they are as good as they are right now? Yeah. I mean, they got good players, but they were just nobody. Nobody in the world picked them to m even make it to the World Series, let alone have a chance to win. Ooh, Raul's got that that bad boy fired up. We'll. Me and Justin, he's got the big he, big brother one. He's got the, I got big the little one. guy. I'll 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 uh, I'll reveal my cigar in just a minute here. Uh, and finally, should... last but not least, kind of least, it's really kind of sad the way they've started out. <laughs> the Minnesota Wilds have uh, not such a roaring start to the season. Uh, the Wilders are three and seven right now. So I mean, what are you gonna do? It's, we do have. We do have the Golden Gophers that are number one in the country. Gophers are one number one in the country, and and they're doing. I think they're going to make it to the Frozen Four again. I think so too. Yeah. I think I'm I'm hoping that all four spots are Minnesota teams. <laughs> that it could happen. Three out of can it? Could it could, well, it could be three, three or four. Out of four. It'd yeah. be it'd be U of M. It'd be UMD, and it, it'd be St. Cloud. So I I think it's very possible all three teams. Although I don't know how they work out the brackets for it. So I don't maybe. 
maybe not, but so it's who- going to, it's going to be a good year. Who's on the show tonight? So we have a fantastic special guest on the show, a returning special guest on the show. I love his haircut. I do. Well, yeah, you guys, you guys have the same barber. Absolutely. Uh, but definitely, I think it's time to bring our special guest on. We have to bring. And as always, on How About That Cigar Live, special guests are brought to us by our friends at Drew Estate. And the Liga Pravada Selección de Mercado is handcrafted to highlight the bold characteristics of a specially curated Connecticut Criollo Kappa Leaf that's grown exclusively for Drew Estate by one farmer in the famed Connecticut River Valley. The name is Spanish for market selection, inspired by the old practice of selecting wrapper leaves for certain national markets by color. Drew Estate chose only the most beautiful Rosado Connecticut Criollo leaves to grace Selección de Mercado. The Rosado Kappa Leaf surrounds a blend of tobaccos from Mexico, Nicaragua, and Pennsylvania to create a cigar that is deeply balanced, bold, and sophisticated. This cigar measures six by 52 and is available in 10 count boxes to international markets. For more information, please visit drewestate.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, if you would please put your hands together and help us welcome to episode 220 of How About That Cigar Live from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, Mr. Steve Saka. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Bro. I love the fact that Drew Estate is paying for me to pimp my shit on your oh, show. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. God bless them, man. They're, they are the best in the whole wide world. I love those guys. Uh, Absolutely. You got to get that money, man. man. <laughs> oh, we got, oh, echoes. We got echoes. Is that Justin? Oh. Is that echo from me? Oh, I think it went away. Got it. Echo, echo, echo. Yeah, it happens sometimes. It's all good. Uh, echoes. Are- I can switch to another microphone. No, I think we're all good. It just sometimes it takes a second to adjust. So, uh, Steve, what are you smoking? I am smoking. Are we interacting? Let's see if this works. I go up to this camera. Will it zoom on that? Is that you know the halogen? Yeah, it's a halogen. Is that a beautiful halogen? Nice. Raul is drooling. Raul is drooling because he's he's uh <sighs> he's got he's got questions about the halogen, but we'll get to that, Raul. Well, it's okay, we'll get to that. Because you so Raul, tell everybody what you're smoking. I'm smoking smoking. I'm smoking you're something smoking. different now. You're smoking me Korea. Me Korea. Me querida. See, I'm Puerto Rican. I still can't say shit. Papasaka. Right. Wait a minute, you're Puerto Rican and you can't say Nicarita? I've been white nice. I've been in Minnesota too long. Wait, 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 dude. Look at the camera. Come on. It's a it's a long story. He yeah. You speak a little Spanish. Yes. And most Spanish words you can't pronounce. Yes. My mother says I speak enough Spanish to get me in trouble or out of trouble. Right. Taco truck Spanish does not count as Spanish for the record. Justin, what are you smoking? <laughs> and I have the uh, Saka Khan. The big boy. The big boy. So, yes. That's a fake living room. That isn't your real grand piano back there? <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> yeah, that's that's totally 100% real. He's not at all sitting literally right. Right, right next four, four feet yeah, yeah. right over there. Yeah. Like I said, Drew State's paying the big bucks. You guys all got grand pianos. In your 
No, the 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 real background is my snowblower and my pressure washer, and it's just <laughs> doesn't make for good TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steve, what are you smoking? I mean, what are you drinking tonight? Excuse me. Uh, I went with uh, went with the uh, Old Forester. Oh, nineteen twenty. I, I got a bottle of that, right? Prohibition style. Oh no, I, must, I I drank it all already. Uh, so I've got uh, so this is this the fourth week now that we've done this. So Raul for the last four weeks has brought me a mystery pour from one of the bottles in his collection at home. So I have no idea what this is. Um, it's a Kentucky bourbon. It's a Kentucky bourbon. Okay. So I know that much yeah. and I, it does, it is a little high proof. And it's a little, it's a little thin, but it's not like, it's not too watery. It's got decent texture. It's not like super viscous. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to compare to last week's. But it's all oh, this the stag from last well, week. I can say this. My shit's really good, so I don't really care what you're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I uh I decided tonight to fire up the bewitched. The bewitched. So one of my uh one of my actual favorites. Um and, just, uh, now that we released Krakatoa. No one will ever buy another bewitched. Oh, I well, I will. I'll find I'll find them and I will track them down. Uh, but I'm gonna fire up my cigar on the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust toast cam. Let me grab our little friend back here. I'll actually give you guys money. <laughs> <laughs> and this did beautiful. I, did, I sign, did I sign up again to give you money again next year yet? Uh, I just sent out the stuff, but I'll. Uh, Oh, dude, you're in trouble because I do all my commitments in October. So you basically have one day to get me to say yes. Oh, well, I, I don't well, fucking agree to it in October. It doesn't happen. Are you saying yes? Did I hear you just say yes? You got, <laughs> you got, it? You got one day to get me to say yes. Um, we're here right now. We're here. We're here. Let's, let's, see how this, let's see how this toast cam bullshit goes because I've never seen this before. So, uh, let me see if I actually if I'm, I'm getting my money's worth. Let me, let, let's right. see what we got. All right, here we go. Uh, firing up right now. So, when lighting your cigar, it's important to be patient, pay close attention to detail, and focus on the tobacco. In the same way, Steve Saka brings those same qualities to the ultra-premium cigars of Dunbarton Tobacco & Trust. Patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dunbarton Tobacco & Trust have become stop, 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 stop. <laughs> <laughs> How much am I actually paying? What is the rate for that? Uh, I honest, honestly, <laughs> off the top of my head, I don't recall. Let me say this. If it's more than $300 a year, you can learn those fucking lines. You don't have to read them with your eyeballs all wacky and shit, right? I mean, come <laughs> on. I mean, it's like, this is your gig. Learn, learn, learn your lines. I mean, I'm yeah. assuming you, this is episode, what, 220? 220. So this means you've done this. So many times, you think after all those times, you really have to be like, and my mother, I still, come on. <laughs> I'll memorize it. I'll, so let's see if I can get through the rest of it without looking. Oh my God, there's more? Oh, there's more. There's plenty oh, more. No, there's not that okay. much more. All right, so, so I'm not looking at the camera. Patience, okay. close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From sober Mesa to Umbagog, Dunbarton. Screen. So, what, what am I? Oh, look at the camera. Oh, look at the camera. 
Check his mic. Here we go. From from Sober Mesa to Umbagog, Dunbarton has a, a blend that will fit your palate, your mood, and any occasion. Visit wow. DunbartonCigars.com to learn more. So we're, we were talking about... We were we were doing the toast cam, and then yeah. we were going to talk about the Halligan. The Halligan. Because Raul, being, you being a firefighter, you're chomping at the bit. I am. You know what's so weird about that is... That I got a job? No. <laughs> I normally come up with the names for all the exclusives, right? Yeah. I mean, the... Um, I mean, nobody really has any say whatsoever in them. And, uh, but this is one where Brett gave it to me because I guess there's a retired fire chief that's a, a regular in his shop. Yeah. And he wanted to make something to honor this particular customer. Um, so it was one of the rare times I actually made the brand, the name, and like I didn't even do the helmet design. I tweaked it a little bit to make it more silk screenable. You know what I mean? But uh, but the whole thing was his idea. And I don't know. I never think about cigar smokers in, like, demographic boxes. You know, and a lot of companies do, particularly now. All the new companies, they all think about that because they're putting everybody in a lifestyle box and trying to, how do I appeal to the urban? And how do I appeal to the rural? And how do I appeal to, how do I appeal to the black guy? And how do I appeal, you know what I mean? How do I appeal to the older generation? So they're like always doing that. And I'm just doing whatever the fuck I want. I'm not really thinking about it. <laughs> and um, I just think, oh, that's cool. I like that. So that's how it happens. Mm -hmm. And um, so I thought, oh, that Halligan's a cool name. That's a pretty cool thing. I mean, and I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. I didn't realize how many firemen were going to actually oh. be excited that there was a cigar called the Halligan separate of they don't think about the damn cigar they just see a fire helmet and the name Halligan like I gotta buy a box of that shit man that's how that's how like easy you are as consumers that's how gullible you are that you can just I always wonder how those companies that like just do you know the navy the army the airport you're like how do they ever stay in business because those cigars just suck you know what I mean but yet year after year those companies are still there they're still around and you see them in certain like industries right now I'm going to let you guys name the names, but we all know these brands that are like centered around something like super niche, right? And I really never understood. I didn't appreciate the power of what suckers the consumer audience is that if I name Can something I like whatever, the Jesuit monks, that every Jesuit monk in the world is going to want a box of the Jesuit monk. So you know what I mean? So I, I gotta start rethinking my branding strategy completely as a result of Halligan. I'm like, wow. That shit's gonna be sold out within a week. I don't even know if it'll last a week because it's one of the rare so it's I don't know. I'll tell you what it will last. It'll I don't first of all, I don't even know how Brett's gonna sell it. I don't even know if he has an online website. I'm buying half of them, so don't worry about it. You know, via, you know, whatever, telephone. I have no clue, number one. So he doesn't have an online website. It'll last because he won't be able to handle the phone calls and the emails. Um, but I've only released, I've released a bunch of exclusives this year, but most of them have re been repeats. So there's only been two fresh ones. Um, the the Don Derma Golden Child was a totally fresh blend, okay, that no one had ever smoked before. And then this Halligan is a totally fresh blend 
that nobody has ever smoked before. So look, you can argue Wagashi is, but look, Wagashi is a deviation of Sober Mesa Brulee Blue. So if you like Brulee and you like Brulee Blue, it's pretty much a slam dunk that you're going to be happy with Wagashi. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like totally unknown, <clears throat> but 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 Halligan is a totally no one but me and a few people you know in the back who've smoked it. So um, Brett J does have a cult following. Um, I go down there every April for his boil. He's got a huge following. Yeah. And uh, I let a bunch of the guys from Minneapolis Fire and St. Paul Fire, and they're like, hey, who do we get to get these? And, yeah, just because it says Halligan, and I vouch for your cigars, so you'll be okay. I don't care. I got Brett's money. This part is so real real quick there's one more and i hate to do this but there's one more technical thing steve when 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 the volume goes up on your voice the the microphone shorts out so if you could switch either switch to a different mic or change the the sensitivity on your mic or something it's yeah hold on like i told you i'm playing with this new crap so oh yeah love it I mean, this is the least of our worries compared to a power outage a few minutes ago. I mean, it's it's barely even snowing. It can't be the snow. <laughs> All right. It's, is it's this one any better? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me yell into the camera. Oh, that's way oh, better. better. Let me uh, let me turn you up. I couldn't tell. I just learned a lesson. The Yeti mic is better than the new, uh, new camera. Hmm. See, but earlier it was working fine for you. Yeah, it sounded crystal clear and everything. Talking loud, though. I think it's the volume. Yeah, and we need we need to hear Saka in his true full voice. Yeah. So beating up on firemen, <laughs> firefighters. He's not beating how, up on firefighters. How dumb we are, and because we want to buy your cigar. Firemen, it's just I I never realized that there would be that much appeal just, just based, based on, on the branding of you know, you know what I mean. Just didn't, didn't, didn't cross, cross my, my mind. mind. Yeah, and now, now I'm, I'm getting, getting at what the hell is going on? You hear an echo now? Yeah. Oh, I don't hear it. Do you hear it? I don't hear it. No. Are we good? All right. I'll live with it. All right. Yeah, I don't think it's coming through the broadcast. So you want to tell us a little something about that cigar besides uh dumb fireman about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, medium medium plushish, I guess would be the best way to call it. Like a six and a half on a ten point scale strength wise. Um I mean, it's a, it's, it's a very, it's not like a super complex blend. I mean, you're looking at, uh, I mean, looking at a, an Ecuador Habano um, H2000 Kappa. Uh, we use that same uh, San Andreas Negro from the Cultivo Tanto crop. I use that as binder on quite a few of my blends because it's just a, it's a really nice complementary binder to a lot of the wrapper materials. And then it's a pretty straightforward kind of blend. It's uh it's a combination of two Jalapa tobaccos from two different Jalapa farms. One is a really thin Seiko that is the Basse. The bulk of the cigar is what we call a Viso Grande. Viso Grande is kind of a, a made-up thing that kind of describes um, Viso that's uh, that's physically longer, larger, okay? Okay. Um, so um, it's kind of a lower Viso priming, but then really the what bit of punch or spice or however you want to describe it comes from uh comes from pennsylvania sleeve leaf but uh from a particular seed it comes from one of the original type 41 seeds 
So it's more of a, cause like all tobaccos have been hybridized so many times. And this is a, this is a more, I don't want to say natural state, but yeah, it's kind of a good way. It, it's kind of more of an origin seed for Pennsylvania seed leaf, the, the type 41 seed. And that makes the Lajero and um, it's just a really smooth, pleasing um, kind of chocolatey cigar. I was also, you know, one of the things that's, I mean, it's so, when you're making all these different blends, you got to try to stay away from making something that tastes just like other stuff you make. You know what I mean? So I really try to focus on creating something new or different with everyone, which means some people that'll smoke, it'll be disappointed. They'll go, oh, I wish it was, you know, strong like the Golden Years or like the Papasaka. And other people go, oh, it's too strong. I wish it was more like the Brulee Blue. And some people go, oh, that's really a perfect cigar. So I, I never really know. I, it's a really good cigar. Um, what people will ultimately think of it and where they rank it in the lexicon, I think it's just going to depend on what you like to smoke. Okay. And is that, I can't tell from the image while you're smoking, is that a Parejo or, or a box press? No, it, it, it's a trunk press cigar. Okay, okay. So it's kind of a... It's kind of in between a firm and a soft. Okay. It's kind of a, a firm, smurm. <laughs> what would it be? It would be a fift. A fift. <laughs> firm and soft. It's a fift. I, I don't know. It's it, it's in between the two. I mean, I played around with a bunch of different presses. And, I mean, look, the first reason you press cigars is because people just like to buy press cigars. It's just another way to market them and sell them. But I tend to vary the press, if you notice, on a lot of my cigars. Some are like a really firm, tight press, and other ones are a very soft kind of press. And I play with different presses because it affects the combustion rate, and that combustion rate has such a huge impact on the cigar. So I, I play around with how much I press any given blend because it significantly changes it. Like um, I made a cigar uh, for, for Secreto, where I did the Don, the original Don Derma blend, the one that everyone says is mild and nuanced and elegant and yada, 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 and super smooth. And I did it without pressing it. And I think they're going to be really surprised at how significantly different the cigar tastes unpressed versus pressed. Okay. We got a, we got a question from Chris. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, what produces chocolate notes? Uh, is it a combination of tobacco? So what and most people no would... fucking clue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I mean, what produces chocolate notes is if I if I buy some uh, some wipey wipe from the people at Flavor Cabinet or at Maine in Mexico, <laughs> and I can make chocolate flavor. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just you look. You, you're trying to write a description, and it's just every time I smoke it, I just keep getting chocolate. It just reminds me of chocolate, and it just varies between yeah, kind of a lighter, creamier chocolate, and a darker chocolate, and then it does have a little bit of light spice to it. So that's why I think, you know, I, I think the first word I used in the description was Mexican chocolate. Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's a really good way to describe it. It's, it's like a Mexican chocolate, it's a, but not a, not a bitter Mexican chocolate. Like when they make Mexican chocolate in Switzerland, Mexican chocolate, right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Total cultural appropriation, but let's not kid ourselves. Just <laughs> how to make chocolate, okay? Yeah. Our, our friends in Central America, they're great at growing cacao but they aren't the best at making chocolate. 
Yeah. So it's a box of 10. Yep. Uh, could you tell us the retail price? I don't know the retail price. Okay. Oh, okay. I just know I just know what, what Brett gave me. Um so and I and I don't know what the taxes are in Virginia. So right. I can't uh, I don't wanna I don't wanna say a price and be wrong about it. I mean there's I can say this. It's gonna be like all of these cigars that I make. It's gonna be 15, 16, 17, 18. It's gonna be somewhere in that price point. That's her, and I've been saving up. <laughs> that's 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 just where it's gonna end up. Unless it's in California, then it'd be like forty-eight dollars a piece or something. <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, I mean, but uh so I'm always surprised. Well, okay, I understand. Calif Barbara Amaria sells at the price it sells because they're selling it to people outside California. And that's why they can sell it at that price. Yeah. Okay. And then for the people that buy it in California, they add the tax separately. I was wondering about the, like Rockies. The price that when you buy it is without the tax, right? But how does that work? When you log in from a site, when you put a shipping address in, they just add that crazy 75% New York tax. See, I really don't know anything about the sales of these things. I, I don't get involved in it. You just so, make good cigars and let it I fall where it falls? I make the cigars. I write a couple posts to pimp it and tell people that it exists. Give them some basic pointers. And uh, it's up to the retailer to retail, is my opinion. And if they're not willing to retail, then why do I need them? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I mean? I mean, the more bad retailers there are, just is going to encourage some moron like me <laughs> just say, oh, I'm just going to sell everything direct and just cut everybody out of the picture. Now, that's not the path I want to go down. Um, so I, I let retailers retail. You know, it's yeah. what they do. And my job is to put shit in a box and smoke and <laughs> be as pretty as I can be. You know? Oh, and, and you're that that last part you're accomplishing, you know, with flying colors. I don't know about, <laughs> the, I don't know about this green color. I don't think it does my complexion well it's very you look you know you look like you just got back from a a, a hallmark movie trip to the pumpkin patch so dude i live in new hampshire i know right? the whole state is a hallmark trip to the pumpkin patch. <laughs> that's right so one of the things that i thought about talking about with you tonight is and and also sort of fitting because you know tomorrow's halloween is um, some of the mysteries of the of the cigar business that you know some people are willing to talk about, some people aren't. And if we bring up a question that you really don't want to talk about, that's fine. Uh, we're just curious about some of these some of these mysteries that you know we hear rumors about as cigar consumers, but we don't necessarily. And maybe we'll get different answers from different people. But the first one I want to start with is this. Hold on. Did you say that was fine that he didn't answer the question? But depending on the question, that's, it's Steve soccer. He's going to, he don't give a fuck about anything. That, that's he's like a honey badger. I don't give a fuck about anything. <laughs> he's going to answer the question. It actually does depend. I, 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 I will try not to like intentionally piss on somebody else's head. Yeah, of course. And, and none of these questions are directed at any, uh, any brand. These are more about the process of sometimes midstream. I end up hitting someone by the, <laughs> that's kind of the way. It well, works. that's just, I mean, that's, that's just the nature of, you know, <laughs> so one of the things that I've always been curious about, and I've never, I've never seen it with my own eyes, yeah. but I've heard stories from different cigar producers before. So can you, it, it, at least in a nutshell, or maybe even broader terms, 
unwrap for us the mysteries of the caldera and what it means to cigar production and tobacco processing. So first off, you have to understand that the word it's like, first off, caldera is used for many different things. Cause like all Spanish, they, they only have 78,000 words and they got to figure out how to, so a lot of words end up having multiple meanings. So you'll see some manufacturers call anything where they're somehow heating the tobacco as being a caldera. Um, but that's really not what a caldera is. A caldera okay. is where you are taking tobacco, you're putting it in a, well, it's like a steam vessel, okay? Just imagine that you have a pressure steamer, okay? But it doesn't seal, so it doesn't steam at pressure, but it has a lid, and you put the tobacco in it, and you crank that sucker up, and you get the steam going, and it just sits basically in a steam bath for, eh, it depends on the tobacco, how thick it is, because you got to be really careful, because if you oversteam it, it'll get really, um, It'll get really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? And brittle's the wrong word. Tender is the word I'm looking tender, for. Tender, okay. Become too tender. And also, <laughs> if you oversteam it, it'll end up getting like this kind of gray cast to it, which kind of like takes away from the reason they're steaming it in the first place, which is you can steam it to kind of take some of the bitterness out. Um, because when you steam the tobacco, you're always taking flavor out of it. But the other thing that you're always achieving is you're always getting it to be a much darker, darker color. And, you know, so many consumers, they they really have the palates of a mule. So yeah. they don't really appreciate when it tastes good versus when it tastes OK. And what they see is, they say, oh, wow, this one's perfectly dark. This is super dark. This is this is going to be delightful. And so, well, calderas are very, very commonly used in our industry. OK. And, and if you start looking at the brand <clears throat> with a careful eye and you notice that the color is like always the same. And always very even across the whole cigar, box after box, cigar after cigar. And when it comes to these Maduro wrappers, uh, there's something going on there because that isn't the way it works out. So, I mean, and you'll notice, you'll see it in my own brand. I mean, and it, this was even true back when I was at Drew Estate. Um, I don't know what they do now, but, you know, back in the early years, we obviously want the wrapper to be dark when it's a Maduro wrapper, a broadleaf style wrapper or a San Andres Negro or whatever, but we would only take the wrapper in the polones to the point that we felt like the burn was right. We felt that the flavor was right. And then we would stop it. And sometimes that means the tobacco ends up being a little lighter in color. Sometimes that means it ends up being a little uneven in color in places. And I mean, depending on, you know, depending on the average consumer who basically, it's like looking at an Instagram model. <laughs> okay, that girl looks hot on the screen, but I guarantee you, you probably don't want to live with this chick. You know what I mean? <laughs> she, she really isn't. She isn't that right. Because if this girl is so narcissistic that all she's doing is figuring out her best angle and taking these fake pictures all the time, and she looks like this and she looks like that, what is a chick like that to actually live with, right? So uh, <laughs> I've always, I've always been a believer in. Look, I want to be aesthetically pleasing. I do. But I'm also a big believer in, hey, when it's ready and it's done, you just arrest the polone. And sometimes that means Mikiritas won't be as dark as you'd yeah. like them to be. But they taste the way they're supposed to taste, and they burn the way they're supposed to burn. And uh, so that's what a caldera is. It's, a, it's basically a steam table. Steam so bread. would you say that there – and not, we don't have to name any names, but there are some cigar producers that use the caldera – 
the same way that an Instagram model uses Absolutely. filters it's or makeup. Yeah. It's a lot. A lot. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it. And I'll tell you another place you see it. You'll see it often on like really cheap cigars. Okay. Right? Because you could take some really ugly wrapper. Okay. And I mean, look at some of the cigars in the cheap bundles sometimes. And that wrapper looks pretty damn good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they cook the living daylights out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's got no flavor but it makes a really pretty $2, $3 cigar. Right. 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 So, I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's used widely in our industry. Okay? Yeah. Um, but there are other places that don't, you know, and there's a lot of places that use it on the cheap stuff and don't use it on the good stuff. Or you okay. have some things like, uh, I'll give you an example of a Caldera tobacco that I, I don't know. I used to be, but, uh, Drew Estate wasn't the first one to try to make T52 wrapper work. Okay. General Cigars actually was. Okay. And they couldn't get it to ferment no matter what they did. They just couldn't get it to burn. So they ultimately decided that they were going to put it in a caldera. And that's how Partagas Black was born. Okay. So it doesn't make Partagas Black a bad cigar. They made the blend based on the wrapper being finished in this manner. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I liked Pargus Black. I don't know if I like it anymore. I haven't smoked it in many years, but it was a perfectly great cigar. So it's not always used to get one over on the consumer. It can actually be part of what you're doing. You know what I mean? I just don't happen to subscribe to it personally because I feel like it always, every time you use the caldera, you're sacrificing oil. Because basically yeah. what's happening is all that oil is just dripping down into the tray. So right. it always ends up giving you something that's more attractive, more neutral, but in my opinion, not as flavorful, not as rich. And that's just not the type of cigar I want to make. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't use it currently. Yeah. But I'm also not above the law saying that maybe 10 years from now, Saka's going to make, you know, Saka's $1 biddies or whatever. <laughs> I guarantee you, I'm going to be steaming the crap out of that shit. Anyway. <laughs> so it can be used for the one, just one last piece on the call there is. It can be used for good or for evil. Oh, it's mostly evil. Mostly evil. I'm just, okay. I'm just, I'm just being nice there. Yeah. No, I I hear you. I, I mean, hear you. Comments. I see a brand that's mentioned there. Yeah, I would. I don't know for a fact, but yes, I would suspect that 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 those rappers go through a called there. Okay. Just just from my experience, there's just no way they can. Yeah. Well, it sort of ties in actually yeah. with another one that I had. Which is, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna skip one, Raul. Actually, and this because you mentioned the T52, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, that it's it's classified or advertised as a stock cut Habano, right? And so, so like I noticed like the ad that came on before, that's the same T52. They just call it Connecticut Criollo, but again, I shouldn't be putting words in people's mouth. It's a Connecticut grown Criollo. That's what T52 is. So, you know, they don't want to call it T52 because you got your whole brand T52. And they're saying, hey, let's use the ones that are more reddish that don't end up with the color hue that they want to use in the, in the regular T52. Okay, we're going to have this special thing for Europe that's going to use these ones that are more of a reddish cast. Okay. And is is this the reason that a lot of, well, the, the reason that a company would choose to put specifically stock cut leaves in a caldera 
Is that because the curing process with stock cut tobacco is slower or yields a lighter? No, no, no. no. I wouldn't say no. First off, let's not say that Drew Estate is putting their stock cut tobacco. In right, it. and I'm not saying I'm saying any I company. You, I can tell you when I was there, they weren't doing that. Yeah, and I don't believe that they're doing it now. So I just want I want that to be clear. I don't want anyone right. to misinterpret the question. Um, yeah, look, it can help because the fermentation process is so long that it gives you a way to dramatically shorten it. Okay. Um, you know that that is a possibility. Can you can you explain? Stock cut to some of us that don't know what it is. Yeah, so it's really simple. Um, you know, when it comes time to harvest the tobacco, when it's ripe, um, we do something that's called priming. And that's where we basically pull the leaves off, basically two, three, four at a time, starting at the bottom, working our way to the top. And what we do typically is we have the appropriate size workforce that they can work through an entire field in about a five-day period five days, six days, seven days. They can make it all the way from the beginning of the field, priming these lower tobaccos to then the next week, go back to the front of the field again to work through it again. So you size your work crew so they basically can prime out where it takes about five to seven days, depending on what you're choosing. And I mean, we in the industry say that we prime tobacco because it's at its optimum ripeness, um, which is a benefit to you, the consumer. There's some truth to that, but the reality is we do it because it's just simply more efficient. You end up getting more weight because you're pulling the leaves off from the bottom. And if you have six primings, that means that tobacco had an extra 30 days to grow at the mm. top of the plant before you get to priming that. And like with any agricultural product, um, your, your, your yield is determined on the weight per acre or weight per manzana. And that's where your money is because when you sell that tobacco, you're selling it based on the per pound. So it benefits the farmer to prime tobacco. The other way it benefits the farmer is you don't need as much space in the barn because you basically are moving stuff in and out as you're doing the primings. So by the time you get to the last priming, those first couple primings, they may have already been pulled down and moved over to pre-industry, making space for you in the barn. So it's a much more efficient use of a smaller farm footprint. So there's a lot of reasons why priming tobacco makes sense that's separate of the oh we're picking them at the optimum ripeness for the consumer now traditionally we didn't start priming tobaccos that's something that really started happening oh from everything i read a little bit of it in the late 1800s but it was really like in the early 1900s 1910 1915 where it kind of became a much more standard practice um but there were certain tobaccos that you couldn't prime because what happens is when you prime a tobacco and you hang it in the barn, what you're doing is you're basically doing a controlled necrosis. What you need to have, the leaf is going to die. It's going to start dying the moment you take it from the stalk. And what ends up happening is what we're trying to do in the barn is we're trying to like keep the tobacco on life support so that it doesn't instantly die and start to rot. We want to kind of linger as it dies. So it gives time for the chlorophyll to convert into sugar, which creates the curing process. Now, certain tobaccos, like Connecticut broadleaf, they're such physically large leaves, you can't stalk cut them because there isn't enough energy in the stem, okay, to support the leaf in the curing barn. It's going to die and rot before it's going to actually cure. So what you have to do with broadleaf is you have no choice but to stalk cut it because by stalk cutting it, 
you now have the entire stock providing the life support system to allow the tobacco, the nutrients, and the moisture that it needs in order to make that conversion to this controlled necrosis. And as a result, almost always when you stock cut, you end up with a universally thicker, heavier texture, more oily tobacco, a better tobacco. Mm. So from a perfect, like purest point of view, you as a consumer wish everything was stock cut. Okay, except for like really thin stuff like Connecticut Shades and Cameroons, right? Because okay. then you're interesting for something else. But with like all these sun-grown tobaccos, you really would love for them all to be stock cut. But here's the problem. You're now basically the farmer's giving away like 35% of the weight at a minimum doing the stock cut, okay? And then instead of it taking, you know, 30 to 45 days in the barn, you're now looking at it taking 50 to 70 days in the barn. And now you have to have room for all those stocks to be up on the spears. So, and it all has all happens simultaneously. So now you need way more barns because it's all happening simultaneously. You need way more barns because it's physically larger and you're getting less tobacco because you're basically harvesting the bottom of the plant and the top of the plant at the same time where the priming lets you get that heavier weight. So traditionally we as an industry would only stock cut what we had to stock cut which were like broadleafs, okay, seed leaf and that type of tobacco. Um, and then, you know, you got others like they used to stock cut San Andres Negro, but a lot of times what they've done is they kind of reduce that to, um, again, it varies from farmer to farmer, right? But it's not uncommon for that to be done in like three primings instead of six to eight primings. Good. Thank you for answering that. Can we bring up uh, Brody's question real quick? That's a good question. See that, Steve? <clears throat> well, yeah, it was, uh, it was the now leave me all alone. There was like 63 or something. <laughs> 67. There was a lot of blends. Yeah, Lancero. Uh, are Lanceros just in general more difficult or? No, they're easy. Oh, they are. Okay. But yeah, because it's like you're, yeah, you just need a you need a monkey and a dart. I mean, it's like <laughs> A with B, B with C. C with D, A with C, A with D, D with B. You have so little room to play with that it's really just a matter of just slapping a couple things together. Go, what does that taste like? What does that taste like? There's, <laughs> there's really, uh, there's not a lot of complexity. The reason why there were so many is because I don't like Lanceros, so I just kept trying to make something that I might actually be willing to smoke and buy, and in the end. Now, leave me the hell alone was the best I could come up with. And I'm like, okay, enough is enough already. Who cares? It's a damn Lancero. <laughs> Lancero geeks will buy it, and it just doesn't matter. But, but now, leave me alone was a good blend. But, I mean, but in the end, and look, and when you get down to Lanceros, there's, it comes down to basically two types. There's the strong, spicy, sharp Lancero that's really peppery. And then there's the really kind of mild, balanced, elegant Lancero. And there ain't a whole hell of a lot in between those two varieties of Lancero, really. Right. I mean, it's uh, mm -hmm. it's 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 a very simple blend because it's there's no room to do anything. It's 38 ring gauge. Yeah, you know I mean, you can get two filler tobaccos in there. There's no room for you to do any sort of positioning. There's no room in there for you to do fancy stripping. You know what I mean? There's just there's no room. So it's 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 not Lanceros are not not hard. It's just you know trying to make something that's worth smoking. Repeat yeah. smoking, I, I think, is a challenge. Right. Uh, another good viewer question. Uh, what do you think of the uh, New England Cigar Expo? I saw a lot of pictures online. It looked like a good time. Yeah, look, it's the first time they did it. 
I mean, they didn't. They they obviously ran into some problems with it. It was raining terrible the first night. Yeah. Um, and then you know, and then the second day where the weather was good, um, you know, they couldn't roll up the tent walls, which would have been nice, but the sound was bothering the neighbors, and so um, I think it was a really good first showing. I mean, are there things that they can improve upon? Yeah, but in fact, I was just with Dave today, and he's the first one to say it. Yeah, we we learned a lot. There's things that we already know we can do differently, but I think it was generally a good time. I, yeah. You know, doing my what? I don't even know what great smoke we're on. Like what? Number 842 or something. <laughs> I mean, and here it is all these years later and Abe still changes it. He still refines it. You know, every year you figure out a way. Okay. We did this last year. This worked really well. This didn't work as well. What are the major things? What can we fix? What can't we fix? And, uh, you know, I, you know, so I think uh, I, I know they intend on doing it again next year. Um, and I think that's, and I think as the time goes on, I think the event will improve. Not that the first one wasn't good. I think it was a good event. I think, yeah, I think it always comes down to one basic question. The people that went, do they feel like they got a value and did they have an enjoyable time? Right. And if they felt like they had an enjoyable time and they feel as though the value was fair, or the value was good or great, then it's a great event, right? I mean, that's kind of the criteria. And, you know, I was there both the night before for the dinner, and I was there for the event day. I wasn't there as long on the event day. And I didn't hear anybody, like, complaining. You know, they're going, well, I can't believe it. I, I, heard no, I heard no grumbles. Yeah. And I didn't see anyone post anything negative online. Did you guys? No, it was all positive. Yeah, a lot so of people. There, there you go. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, so one other uh, question, mystery question, you know, the unravel for us, if you would, please, the mysteries, because this is sort of a two-pronged question because talking about aging cigars and the, right. there's the aging that happens uh, after the cigars are rolled and they sit in the aging room at the factory. And then there's the aging, um, you know, that we do as consumers. Some consumers like to smoke all their cigars right away, and that's great. And some like to smoke some of them and age some of them and, and stuff like that. Um, what, from, a, from a factory standpoint, um, are there any drastic differences in your mind, in your experience, well, first in off, what factories most, do? Most factories don't age, really. Okay, what most factories are doing is it's what we call wicking. Yeah. When you when you first make a cigar, so like, you know, going back to the Caldera conversation, all your filler tobacco before it gets, you know, coming out of the bale, it has to go into an oven to slightly dry it out in order to make it the right texture in order to do the bunching. Right? So the the trip of tobaccos, all the filler tobaccos are getting slightly dried before they go to the table, and all the binder and all the wrapper is getting moistened significantly to make it real flexible and stretchy so that we can actually, you know, use the binder and then pass the wrapper. And so what you have is you have a combination of the interior of the cigar tobaccos being too dry and the exterior cigar tobaccos being too wet. And what ends up happening is the interior of the cigar, because it's so dry and the outside so wet, it sucks all that moisture right to the center of the cigar, like within like two, three days. That's why you've always heard the old time saying that if you're going to smoke a factory fresh cigar, one that comes off the bench, you really should smoke it that day or the next at the very latest. Okay. And if you don't smoke it, then then you really just need to wait for, you know, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. 
And depending on the strength of the blend, and it's really not so much the strength, but it just tends to correlate this way. The thicker tobaccos take longer than the thinner tobaccos and milder cigars tend to have thinner tobaccos. So, you know, like a, a milder Connecticut shaped blend, four rooms and esperates, which is just a fancy word, word for cool rooms. Um, that might be enough time to, you know, wick out the moisture from the center of the barrel and get them to stabilize. And then heavier blends are going to take, uh, you know, typically about eight weeks and some take as much as 12 weeks. And that first part of the aging process, I don't really count it as aging. It's just the necessary process of just drying the cigars and getting the humidity in them to equalize, you mm. know, really not the humidity, but the actual moisture content to, to equalize. And most factories, you know, they try to be on a pattern of where um, they're, because look, you only have physically so much space. So these cigars are getting boxed. Now, look, some of the factories that are on the lower end um, are cheaper or, you know, the products are cheaper. They may not even give it four weeks sometimes. Hmm. Those sometimes bang that stuff out really quick out the door. Um, you know, the better factories, they're going to allow the product to wick properly. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's really after the wicking part that you then get into like intentional aging, right? Where you're saying, okay, I'm intentionally aging these cigars. Like we do with Brulee Blue or like we do with, you know, the, the Mike Ritas, the Blacks, and like we do with Paladin Bissaka. Um, but we typically, almost everything we make, I like for it to have about four months in the cool room before we pack it, which is about, which is about double the length of most companies, uh, most things. And you'll, you'll notice it. You'll notice that, you know, we date stamp all our boxes. And when you flip over a box, that date code that's on the bottom of the box is the date of the potentially youngest cigar in the box. Okay. Because we lose the dates when we put them on the color sorting table. Cause once they come out of the wheels and we're now color sorting all the cigars and we're moving them around. So the date codes that we use on the box are whatever potentially the youngest possible cigar could be in that box. So, and you're going to find that you'll never see a date younger than four months. And almost always for most consumers, they're going to see something that's uh, six months or more and sometimes upwards of a year. Yeah. You know, because, uh, you know, I just, uh, I'm an inventory guy. I like having cigars in inventory whenever I can. Yeah. So the goal is always to produce enough cigars that we build a standing inventory. I like to have, like to have four months to like 16 months if it's Brulee Blue or Paladins, you know, on the shelves in Nicaragua. Um, and then I like to try to keep at least two to four months here in the United States at all times. And that's what I like. I'm not always successful at it. I mean, you know, because the product just sells quicker than we can sometimes keep up with. But that that well, is the ultimate goal. And we we appreciate uh, just personally as consumers, uh, and I know a, a lot of consumers who also appreciate uh, stamp uh, dated uh, stamps on boxes. Mm -hmm. It's just it, it, you know, especially if we're full box buyers who like to do a little bit of our own aging at home. You know, maybe we've got a you know a lower shelf in our cabinet humidor that we like to we just like to experiment and try a cigar after six months and after a year and. You know, just to see if we can, you know, smell or taste anything a little bit different from the aromas and the flavor. Is when I put it in a box, it's ready to smoke. Oh, the only, absolutely, thing, the yeah. only thing I can say to you as a consumer, 
Look, particularly when it's brand new and it's just been landed in the country and it goes to the retail, like red meat lovers. Everyone's getting red meat lovers just, you know, they've been through hell. I mean, <laughs> they go from Nicaragua to Manaus. They go from Nicaragua to the port in Honduras. They get on a ship. They get off a ship. They go on a train. They then come off a train. They go on a truck. <laughs> they end up in our warehouse. And then we're shipping them and they end up on another train or another plane. You have the retailer shop. And then you buy it online, it goes on another truck or train or plane <laughs> to get to your place. These cigars are really, like, really heavily traveled. So it's almost always better to give them, like, at least three days to just kind of settle down a little bit from all their journey. But, look, we as consumers, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. So what I, the best I can say to consumers, look, when you get that new box, you just can't help yourself. Smoke one. But if you're not really happy with it, Give it three, four, five days and then come back to it because it really has gone through a lot of transitions, you know, a lot of temperature changes, a lot of humidity changes, a lot of pressure changes. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. I mean, so it's it's always good to just give it a little bit of a break. And then once you get beyond that, then it just becomes a matter of just personal taste. Some people like cigars that are really super aged. Mm, um, yeah. I, I tend to not. You know, I, I, I feel like there's a point of where it adds and it improves, but I also feel like it gets to a point where you just start to lose too much flavor. You lose too much. Yeah. It starts to degrade. And, you know, part of it, it depends on the blend. You know, if the reason I smoke that blend is because I like that bit of pepper and that little bit of spice and that those notes that it gives me, well, those are all going to soften with a year, two years, three years. So maybe the part of what I like about that kind of goes away. So yeah. it's really a matter of personal judgment. Yeah. And I've been there before where you get that, that sort of bell curve on, on age and, you know, you keep some cigars for a while and then the next time you smoke one, maybe it, it went over that, that hill and uh, maybe it's a, and it's especially noticeable, at least personally for me with cigars that, you know, when they're first on the store shelf are, you know, it's a powerhouse, strong cigar, pep, maybe it's peppery. And then, you know, you keep some for a while. And then when you get over that hump, then it just some of that punch and some of that liveliness of the blend just seems to sort of have have faded away. Um, Go up a little bit. There's a question about pesticides. Do most farms say they don't use pesticides? Yeah, it's bullshit. There's only, to my knowledge, there's only one. You, You see the... The one product that the Placentia's brand is they're organic. Right. Um, but no. It, it, look, they say that because that's what you guys out there want to hear. Right? <laughs> You're on this crazy thing. But uh, pesticides, fungicides, you know, yes, it's all used. Absolutely. Uh, the fact that – but we don't – they don't say it out loud because that's not what you guys want to hear. You want to hear some bullshit fairy tale story that you can't confirm nor deny. You can't prove different. Right. And me saying to you that they aren't, well, they're going to say, well, he's wrong. He doesn't know our farm. But what I will say to you is I've been intimately familiar with tobacco farming for the last three plus decades. And everybody uses pesticides. Everybody uses fungicides. Everyone uses different ones, depending on what their individual needs are. Now, they're judicious about it. They're using stuff that's all approved to be used. Okay. Stuff that's used on the on your corn and on your wheats and on your tomato plants, mostly on stuff that deals with nightshades, right? Because yeah. 
because tobacco is a nightshade. So mm-hmm. corn isn't a good example and wheat wasn't a good example. But I mean, they're using the same stuff that they're using on all the food you've been consuming too. You know what I mean? But you guys just, you just, people just want to hear, oh, no, we, we do it all organic. Yeah. We, <laughs> we roll them all on the thighs of virgins and yeah. <laughs> There's never a drip of sake sweat in any of your cigars. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, and you got to remember, you're, you're, you're talking to the sales weenies. It's their job to sell cigars, right? What, what the fuck does some guy that spends, you know, 70,000 miles a year in his vehicle going from cigars to cigar store actually know anything about the cultivation of the tobacco in the specific cigars? They know what they're told. Yeah. Or they, and they know what they've been told to tell. But yes, the use of pesticides, fungicides, they are the norm. It's very rare that you won't see. You wouldn't have a crop. Right. There'd, there'd be no cigars. Yeah, it's too hard to grow anything without yeah. managing that crop, no matter what it is, where it's grown. Um, all right, the other mystery, and this is sort of, it's not really a mystery, but it's we're curious about different regions of the United States, different regions uh, you know, of uh, Central and South America, uh, and even elsewhere, um, you know, because typically there's a narrow range when it comes to cigar tobacco for the most part, you know, across, across the premium cigar market, you know, you've, you're looking at Nicaragua, Honduras, Dominican Republic. It really is Mexico. You can grow tobacco almost anywhere. And that's, that's you know, kind of what from Terra del Fuego all the way up high into Canada. Yeah. It's just a question of where the seasons are optimal, um, the climate works the best, the soils work well, and even more importantly that, where can you get the manual labor that's necessary to hand cultivate tobacco? Right. right? And you also have the benefit of wanting to grow it as close to the source. So the more that you can grow, I'm in Cuba, I have a factory in Cuba, grow tobacco in Cuba. You know what yeah. I mean? I have a factory in Nicaragua. It's better if the tobacco is grown in Nicaragua, cuts down on the breakage, cuts down on the shipping, allows you to monitor the crops better. And look, the reason why you're in a place in Nicaragua is because, A, it's good for the cultivation of tobacco. Okay, you get you get two plantings a year out of it. So you get a double season, essentially. And it's also where your workforce is. And you're able to make the product in the same place that you're growing so much of the materials that you use. Now, certain tobaccos, you know, we can't grow the Ecuador doesn't the Habano seed doesn't grow the same in Nicaragua as it grows in Ecuador. Right. So there are certain things you, you can't really look They're growing broadleaf seed now in Nicaragua. I'm sure somebody out there has a really great Nicaraguan broadleaf wrap cigar, but it tastes entirely different. You know what I mean? The structure looks the same. The texture feels the same. Uh, you can get kind of the same color, but the flavor isn't the same. It, it has that terroir component to it, but it's really it has more to do with where do you have a labor force that you can actually afford to hand cultivate a crop because so little is hand cultivated. I mean, you're talking about something that literally has to be hand tended, hand picked, hand hung, hand moved. There's, you know, the only machinery you really see is, you know, now we've gotten away from using the oxen to do the tilling of the field. Everybody's using tractors to do, you know, the, the tilling. Um, you've also now have carts that are drawn by the tractor 
to, you know, help bring the leaf to the curing barn. They don't have to carry the baskets all the way from one end to the other end of the field. Um, but it's still, it's, it's a very hand oriented labor process and you need to be in a country where you can afford to do that labor. Yeah. Well, cause we know that you have, you know, you've used, for instance, tobacco from Wisconsin yeah. before, but what other, uh, I, I mean, have, uh, do you regularly get a chance to try tobaccos from places that a lot of cigar consumers would sort of be surprised by from a location standpoint? Um, not as much as you would think. Okay. I mean, I mean, part of it is I'm only interested in something that there's actually enough of it to do something commercially with. Yeah. Yeah. My geek factor, you know, send me a Gavia. I'll play with it. It'll be nice, but what good is it? You know what I mean? Great. I got 50 leaves. Now what? You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, what's what's the incentive for going through the work when you have nothing that you could actually turn into a viable product? So uh, I pass on a lot of those kind of offers. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't speak for other makers, but I have to think most of them would too. Because right. like, you know, it's uh, there's a level of mad scientist. <laughs> there has to be a purpose behind why you're spending your time and your effort doing this. And it's not like when you're getting these sample hands that this is coming to you as finished materials that are ready to go. So now you got to put the effort into figuring out how to ferment it and work it and all these things. And there's just no tobacco. Yeah. Right. So you basically end up judging it as a, as a rough coming out of the barn kind of crop. You know what I mean? Okay. Cause look, we, we judge the tobacco at all the different stages. Um, and look, we will, we will smoke the tobacco before it's ever gone through any fermentation at all just to kind of test it, see how it burns, you know, check the aroma on it. So we do it, but I mean, yeah, but yeah, for the most part, nah, there's a, we, everybody is working from a relatively, I don't want to say a limited palette because that's not fair. We have like so much more variety today compared to what they had 30 odd years ago. Um, so there's a lot of different variations of hybridizations of tobaccos out there, but most of it's coming from a lot of the very same people. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Now, is there, can you think of off the top of your head, a, a, a tobacco that you, somebody, let's say somebody sent you some, uh, and, uh, that, that really you, you taste it and you thought, man, this would, you, again, your geek factor went into effect and you thought, man, if I could get more of this at a lower cost, I'd love to make a project out of it, but there's just not enough. Well, and, and where maybe it came uh, from. It's irrelevant actually for me. Okay. Um, because the truth is I'm happy to just, I just pass the cost on to the consumer. Yeah. Okay. So the consumer will ultimately decide whether it's worth the price for admittance or not worth the price for admittance. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like with Sin Compromiso. We do the we do the odd, you know, cultivation of the Cultivo Canto crop, which adds the cost, makes the cigars cost a, a $1.50, $2 more, pushes it up into Padron territory, you know, right about there. And the consumer gets inside. Is it worth it? Is it not worth it? You know what I mean? Um, so the cost for me isn't as big a factor. Uh, what's a bigger factor is, is there enough of it to do something with? And is it repeatable so that if I invest the time and the labor into first coming up with something, mm-hmm. and then I actually go through the effort of marketing that something, 
am I going to be able to make that same consistent product again in the future? Because if I can't, then there's much better ways to spend my time. You know yeah. what I mean? So for me, it's more about consistency, availability, uh, the person growing it, you know, what's their history. These are the things that are really far more relevant than the price. The price is the price is the price. And look, and I, I, I get I get in this argument all the time with people, you know, and I think they're starting to come around to my way of thinking because my attitude is it isn't what you pay for the tobacco. It's a question of what you can sell it for. Right. And if the consumer is willing to pay more money for better tobaccos mm. and more interesting tobaccos, then why do I care that it costs four dollars more a pound or eight dollars more a pound or even just thirty five cents a pound? It's not it's, it's not the business I'm in. It's also not the volume manufacturer. I don't have any, you know, inexpensive bundles. I'm not even the I mean, the only thing I got that's under 10 bucks right now is Umbagog and then we'll have Popetta. So I'm in that, you know, I'm, most of my cigars are priced between like $13, $20, right? So that's that's the range that I'm in. So for me to spend some extra money on tobacco is fine. And then it's just up to the consumer say, is a Mike Rita for $14.50, is it worth the price of admittance? And they get to make that determination. Yeah. So what do you think you're drinking tonight, bud? I this is a tough one. I mean, it's um I and it's hard for me to say because I feel like in the future, and I'm making I'm trying to make shit easy on myself right now, that that I should get like a a, a list of ten to choose from or something. No. It's not gonna happen. Um, but possible. Like, how are you supposed to do that? I couldn't do that. Um, I but mean, f- figure it out. He yeah, knows. There's a Freud in a glass. Sure. He and knows my collection. I mean, I know your collection. I don't drink, but so my collection's kind of small. I know your collection, but I have it. I don't have it memorized. And there's a lot of bourbons out there. I mean, this is, it's it's higher proof, meaning it's somewhere between. I feel like it's somewhere between 100 and 110. Um. Do you yield? Uh, but I mean, as far as like picking it, um, I I almost feel like it's something that I've had before. Yes, you have. And then I'm wondering if it's. Uh, Good God, just guess wrong. And get to it. For God's sake. All right is is this uh, is this uh, oh damn it now I can't remember the name. Uh, it's not old scout, is it? No. All right, then that's that's my that's my guess. Oh, it's Larceny Small Batch. Yeah, I, I would lose at this game one hundred. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The, the, yeah. The, the object of this game is not only to <laughs> to have him figure it out; it's for him to get a little buzz and loosed up, loosened up. You know. Well, it's only ninety-two proof. I that this tastes hotter than ninety-two proof. You know so, why? Why? Well, from under. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I put a little more fun Monday in there. You, you have, you have a sick, you have a oh, sick man. mind. You have a sick mind. Uh, so, uh, somebody asked a question about uh, Angus Black Angus. Is uh, oh yeah, tell me about this. Yeah, it's a uh, cigar. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> same lineup. So three years ago, I went to Jeff's farm. Um, I've never been a huge fan of the Florida Sun Grown. It has this kind of um, has a very unique taste to it. Um, I kind of call it twangy. 
Um, some people would call it sour, but I don't think that's really fair to it. It's just got this really unique kind of flavor profile to it. And um, look, again, that's kind of proves the case of terroir because that's a Habano seed that I believe he got from Aganorsa, right? So I it's the so. same seed variety that they grow in Nicaragua, but when he grows it there in Central Florida, it takes on its own character. And um, look, it's very popular. There's a lot of people that love FSG cigars. It just never really suited my palate personally. And um, so it was just kind of one of those like little challenge projects where I'm like, you know what? Let me let me come. Let me look at it. And uh, and I ended up picking the, the most FSG of the FSG. I picked the very top Corona leaves. So the most twangy of the twangy. <laughs> like, yeah, give me that. You know, if I'm going to figure out how to, to do something with this, let, let's just take the hardest deal. Take the yeah. hardest hand in the deck. And, um, and then we, uh, we tried about five different test fermentations. Look, there's not enough of the tobacco. I mean, it was only 300 pounds. Um, so I had like 330 pounds, I think is what it was actually. Um, so we just kept slipping Gavillas in these various Polones, Broadleaf Polones, a Habano Polone, uh, an Ecuador Habano Polone, because all these are fermented slightly different temperatures with slightly different turns different moistures and whatnot, you know, to try to figure out what was the best way to ferment it because there wasn't enough to build a whole Pallone out of. Plus, even if I did, I'm going to ruin the tobacco I have. So once we kind of figured that out, um, we then fermented it the way I decided I thought was the best. And then uh, we aged it about an additional year um, in the bale. And uh, I made a blend and I, I really, I'm really proud of the blend because it still tastes like FSG and that twang is still there, but I personally like it. So I think it's yeah. kind of like one of these weird, for me, it's a Goldilocks thing, right? Mm -hmm. Where I did, cause look, the easiest thing for me to do is to like say, Oh, well it's FSG and throw the FSG away and just make something that tastes the way, however I want it to taste. But that's not really fair to the tobacco and that's not fair to the consumers that like FSG either. Right. So I was trying to make something that for the FSG guys, I go, yeah, I get that. That's FSG. But I was also trying to make something for the people that are like me that have smoked and go, nah, that's not really my type of cigar. You know what I mean? So I think I hit a really nice sweet spot. And honestly, the delay has been packaging mm. me being really busy and Jeff being really busy. So he doesn't like keep asking me where it is. <laughs> um, so um, but you're you're definitely going to see those cigars released in 2024. Is that going to be is that going to be exclusive to one shop or is that going nationwide? Well, again, it's Corona cigar. Yeah. Um, I I'm going to make them and he's going to decide what to do with them. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know whether that's nationwide. I mean, I'm not going to sell FSG, so I am going to deliver all the cigars to Corona Cigar Company, and then they're going to decide what to do. But you got to remember. There wasn't a lot of tobacco here. It was 300 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, my rough off the back of the napkin calculation should be about 14,000 cigars. So mm -hmm. it is a crazy amount of cigars that can be made. And uh, look, and I'm going to, I'm going to look, it's a, it's a lot of work to make so few cigars and to spend all that time trying to figure out how to ferment it <laughs> and uh, make these blends. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to charge him a lot of money for it. So I imagine he's going to charge you. Guys. <laughs> so, yeah. 
from a blend perspective then with that fsg tobacco that that you specifically worked with those corona leaves and with the different method of processing what what alongside that in the blend did you figure out from a was it a balance thing that no i think it was more i think it was more figuring out how to work the tobacco oh really okay yeah i think i think it was really the key to it okay just figuring out how to how to best ferment that tobacco Mm. that i I thought brought it to the right place okay so it wasn't like a blend thing with other tobaccos in the blend it was more processing that blend makes a difference sure yeah but i mean but I, I think I think I think the cigar was actually I think for me the biggest achievement was in pre-industry more than it was on the bench. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. I think getting the pre-industry right. I mean, look, you just think about it like when you're cooking, it always comes down to the ingredients, right? I mean, yeah, if you're like some you know, master chef, like a guy like Papin Garcia, he can take some pretty shitty tobaccos and make a pretty decent cigar out of it. Okay. Um, you know, I, but for the most part, you know, good materials end up giving you the, the springboard to make great cigars. So really the ingredients themselves are so key. And I always say this, I mean, I know everybody like romanticizes the factory, but really the factory is where they just take good tobacco and fuck it up and make it into bad. Tobacco. <laughs> That's what the factory does. So you're really like, you're just trying to prevent the factory from doing you dirty. You know what I mean? <laughs> what you're really trying to do. I mean, again, it's the part that gets all the pictures and all the love and all of this. But really, I mean, it, it's so important that the materials, when they get to the workers, be ready and be right and be properly cured, properly, yeah. cured, properly aged, properly sorted, properly stripped, properly dried in the oven, properly moistened in Desperio, you know, all of these things are really critical and none of this stuff is romanticized at all. Right. And it's always that like the video of them, no, they're a torsador and they're doing this thing <laughs> that the art, the guy is literally, look, he's doing that 325 to 400 times a day. Okay. In an eight hour day. Okay. It, it's really a, a question of mechanics and just getting in the groove and, getting it down to what you're supposed to do that part of it's really the that's not a big deal at all that's just just hey do it right you know what i mean yeah don't don't fuck up the materials i gave you yeah one of the worst things i mean when they screw up a cigar isn't the cost of the labor i mean so in nicaragua on average a typical mid-grade cigar uh, that pair is going to make somewhere around right now about 14 cents per unit. Well, that cut of wrapper he's got on the table, that cost me somewhere between, you know, on the low end, 32, 33 cents, all the way up over a dollar. So when he messes up that cigar, that's just the wrapper leaf by itself. The money's in the material and not just the raw tobacco cost, but all the work it took to get it to where it's perfect to give them on the table and then yeah. for them to screw it up. It's like, are you kidding me? You know yeah. what I mean? So, uh, you know, it, it, that's really, that's where the, that's where the money is. The money is in the materials. Uh, that's where the money is. It's in, look, and you say it's in the labor. Well, cause so much labor was taken to get the materials at that point. So it's not a total lie, but most people in their heads, they always think it's the, the pairs, the torsadors, you know, mm. boom, boom, boom. No, you know, they're going to earn, between the two of them, they're going to earn some work between 24 and 
31 cents a cigar for just average standard production in need at the current rate. Uh, yeah, when I have them rolling unicorns, they get paid considerably more because the pair that make unicorns, they can only make like 85 to 100 a day. It's a technically much more difficult cigar. Um, you know, it requires a lot more and focus for them. Mm. Where a standard Pareo, a Toro, I mean, honestly, a really good Bonchero and Rolera, they're almost like zombies. They get in the groove. They just do. You know what I mean? They're not. Uh, they're not. They're not focused the way all the videos make it sound, and all the voiceovers and their narration, <laughs> and all of that. And, then, and that whole nonsense about oh, we limit them to two hundred twenty-five a day. That's terrible. What you don't want to ever do with a pair is you don't want to slow them down. Whatever that natural flow is, where they do it well and right. they do it comfortably, they produce the best cigars. Now, for some pairs. That might be 225 a day, but there's other pairs in the factory that that's 410 cigars a day. Oh, yeah. You tell that guy that, that this pair that makes 410 really nice cigars every day that, oh, I want you to slow it down to, you know, <laughs> 475. No, you actually yeah. get a, you get a worse grade product slowing them down. So you got to, you got to let people do what people do. Yeah. Well, it's like you could have the, Again, that doesn't make a nice slogan. It doesn't put well in a magazine. It's yeah. a terrible quote. You know what I mean? But that's so, <laughs> that's so true with most things in lives, right? They're not very. Uh, that's why we. That's why we ever got Mad Men to begin with, right? It's all about the, <laughs> the framing and the advertising and the packaging and the this and the that. Right? Yeah. That's why I mean, there's you, no pesticide ever used on your tobaccos. Yeah, never. You could have a you know a a, a rancher you know raise the most beautiful cattle and and then you know have them butchered just properly and taken to a, a you know a, a dry aging you know sensei who's like so learned and perfect at dry aging beef yeah, and then give it to a line yeah. cook yeah, yeah give it to yeah, a line he hammers, cook. He hammers the steak you give him the best thing in the world right <laughs> now you give the guy top sirloin you can only do so much now if you're yeah. a master chef you know how to make a dish with that top sirloin mm -hmm. that's divine right, right. But yeah, but yeah, you can take a perfectly beautifully dry aged ribeye, and the line cook can totally hammer it and ruin it. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> cook it to 185 degrees. Oh, <laughs> oh that makes me want to cry. Um, all right, I think. Is it time? Is it time? It is. Time. All right, it is now time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. And as always, Numero de los Huertos brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. Honesty, here with the joke, tell you about Smoke In's Cigar of the Month Club. Every month, I personally handpick five premium cigars. Another great feature is our Double Down Club. With a simple check mark, you can get double this great selections every month and save $10. Every month, there's a special discount code where if you like any of the selections, you can get them at a special discounted rate for our Cigar of the Month Club members. We've made it super simple. All you got to do is log into your account. There's a little green button there. If it's green, you're active. You want to take a break going out of town, simply hit the button and you'll deactivate your membership. We get this stuff out on the 28th of every month. Our membership bills on the 28th and we get every member's package out on the 28th if it's a shipping day. All delivered to your door for $34.95. Five great reasons on what makes Smoking Cigar of the Month Club the best club out there. Check it out. Peace.
All right. Numero de los muertos brought to us by Smoke Inn. I didn't know the goat was a mute. <laughs> I learned something. I, I had no clue. <laughs> it's so selective mutism. <laughs> All right. So the number this week is 113. 113. And this is... I'm going to say over the course of the last 30, 34 years, hmm. sorry, 44 years, last 44 years, the last 44 years, 113, 113 people have died from this. Now, as always, viewers, go ahead and put guesses in the comments. <laughs> Eric, no, it's not a Pete Johnson cigar. <laughs> <laughs> David Floyd says, is it fact? fact or uh, oh, yeah, that's a good question, David. It's This is fact. Last week was fiction, uh, or a couple weeks ago. Couple was, weeks. Yeah, but this this is this is a real stat from the... Um, Don't give it away. Is it people killed in a shark attack? Uh, no shark attacks. Choking in a seahorse? No. Is it on land? Yes, it's on land. Okay. Is it uh, on a farm? Uh, no, well, I mean, it could be, I guess, but secondhand smoke. <laughs> no, it's not secondhand smoke. Secondhand smoke stats are bullshit. What about uh, choking on uh, <laughs> unicorn dust that Steve Saka gave out at PCA? Uh, no, no, not, not, no. <laughs> Any guess, Steve? Hell no. I would even bother. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to play, you got to play 20 questions. You got to, you got to try to narrow it down a little bit. Okay, is it, is it of a natural cause? Uh, no. Is it of an accident? Yes. Okay. And does it have anything to do with a, some sort of vehicle? No. Any sort or, of machinery? Machinery, yes. Okay. Is it work-related? Is it, it is work-related. Work that was my next question. Is it work-related? Okay. I died while tracking a Sasquatch. Uh, no. <laughs> is, it, is it related to the mining industry? Uh, no. The timber industry? Yes. Oh, okay. he's on the So same. I would say, is it falling from a tree or having a tree fall on you? No. Is it from a chainsaw accident? No. Wood chipper? Yes. There That's you go. Wood chipper. It's wood chippers. It's wood chippers. So... I can play this game. You just zero in. <laughs> yeah, you got. That's all you got to do is narrow it down. It's, it's, so, like, it's like making a blend. I do it all German like this. So, <laughs> so of these 113 deaths, uh, how stupid the, you have to be to die from a wood chipper? Well, and they're, they're they're getting their sleeve caught, or they're getting part of their coat caught, yeah. and they're getting drug into the wood chipper. It's not oh, more sticking their heads in the wood have chipper. You, have you never seen Fargo? That's how we get rid no, of that our bodies up here. That was intentional, though. That wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> that's a murder. That's a murder, allegedly. Well, I, no, that was that was the murder was already Fargo, done. Yeah. That was just hiding the body yeah. or trying to dispose of the body. But it's interesting that they it all wasn't just people who got stuck in inside a wood chipper. So coming out the of side. these 113, 57 were actually killed when they were struck by the wood chipper. So uh, oh, and, uh, debris coming off the wood chipper, a chunk going flying or something. Yeah. 
Um, 41 were actually caught in the wood chipper and drawn into the wood chipper. That's how they were killed. Brutal. Um, Seven of them were run over by the truck that was towing the wood chipper. (laughs) Four of them were killed by the electrical system shorting out. You avoid the truck. And you somehow decide to squeeze your body between the truck (laughs) and the wood chipper. Yeah. Is that some squirrel crazy bat shit right there? Like, I'm going to cross the road now. I'm going to cross the road now. Um, And two of them, uh, wait, so yeah, two of them were from people falling. I don't know how that relates to a wood chipper, whether maybe they were on top of the wood chipper and fell off. I don't know. Hmm. And the, the last two were heat stroke. So probably, I mean, those those engines yeah, run by hot. The by so, the way, yeah. I feel bad we're making fun of wood chipper deaths, and there's Tom with a very sobering message. <laughs> oh, Tom. <laughs> yeah. no, not my finest internet moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, num- numero de los muertos is, uh, you know, doesn't, uh, doesn't pull any punches. No. <laughs> what I find weird is you're telling me that, like, almost like clockwork, like on average, 113 people die every year. That one year is 111, another year it's 117. It's like always in that number range. No, this, this is 113 total since 1982. Ah, yeah. Okay, I got it now. I was I was thinking 113 people a year. Seven oh yeah, right. A, a truck <laughs> and a trailer. I mean, I mean, this is like serious Darwin Award. Shit. That's not here. Come here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, would you look inside? I think something's stuck in there. Can you look in a little closer? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a bottle of bourbon in there? <laughs> I would go after it. I would go, depending on the bottle. I could see getting killed by stuff coming out of that wood chipper shoot. Because oh, some wood chippers are like seriously high powered, man. Yeah. You get a you get a chunk that comes out that wasn't fully chipped. You know, it's like a one inch cube, yeah. one and a half inch, odd shape, getting flung at you, hits you in the head. Yeah, I, I can see right. that dropping you. Yeah, I was on a I was on a land clearing site once, and there was a we had a chipper on there. Uh, Just keep bringing it up the audience there. <laughs> oh man! But yeah. we we had a we had a wood chipper on that site that we were putting whole trees with like fourteen inch trunks because mm. uh, you have a bobcat there with the claws, and you just load the whole tree in, and it it literally it'll, it'll take down it'll turn a whole tree into into mulch in like fifteen seconds. Jesus. Yeah, those things are nothing to fuck around with. Uh, so that was this week's Numero de los Muertos. Uh, that's sponsored by Smoke In. That's oh, A. Yeah, I missed the whole goat thing. I <laughs> such a short... I'm the attention span. <laughs> All right, let's... I didn't even realize that those Cigar of the Months were only $59.95. Oh, that's a good deal. That's that's and and there's there there's don't mess around either. They, they I, know, I know what I charge them for the cigars that go in there, so we ain't making any money on mine. No, <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> so that, there's really not a lot of profit in that. I can tell you that for sure. Oh yeah, that's 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 for customer introductions right there. Uh, all right, let's jump into this week's uh, lightning round. Lightning Round is brought to you by J.C. Newman Cigar Company, America's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker. 
creators of the popular Brick House, Perla Del Mar, Diamond Crown, and The American. J.C. Newman Cigar Company operates out of their 112-year-old El Rolo Cigar Factory in historic Cigar City, Tampa, Florida. For more information on their cigars or their visitor experience, please visit jcnewman.com. All right. So first lightning round question tonight for you, Steve, is what is the most overrated fast food item? That's easy. It's that fucking McRib. Thank you. <laughs> oh, he called it before. <laughs> I called it before the show. I was yeah. like, I hope he says the McRib. Oh, it's disgusting. Oh, I hate that sandwich so much. It's, I haven't had one, honestly, since the 80s. Yeah. Seriously. Since like oh, they first came out. Here's the sad part. I actually, so I did you. I like, I had this is disgusting. I hadn't had one in like seven, eight years. I fall sucker prey to the internet hype. Yeah. McRib, 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 McRib. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'll give the McRib a second shot. Yeah. And, yeah. And foolishly, I do the drive through and I just get two McRibs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I McRibs. I get nothing else. I take one bite of one of the McRibs. I'm like, I'm a really fat bastard. And <laughs> this. It was so disgusting. One bite, two McRibs right in the trash. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, that is the worst. You know, the other thing I think is a little overrated, and this is going to get me some grief. And it's not that it isn't good, but I, I don't think Chick Fil A is as good as everyone seems to rave about. I, I would, I would rather eat the Popeyes chicken sandwich personally. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. between the two, if I had to pick one, I, I pick Popeyes all day over Chick Fil A. Yes, no, I mean Chick Fil A is fine. I mean the spicy one's decent, but I mean I don't know. It just it doesn't. And I don't think that their their waffle fries are anything to really write home about, you know. I'll tell you who really irritates me. It's In and Out. I like In and Out burgers a lot. Their French fries suck. <laughs> unless you unless they're fresh and you eat them in the first fifteen seconds, yeah. then they go to hell. Yeah, they're just kind of like they're 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 weak. They have a very weak fry game in In and Out. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they 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 should figure out how to improve that. Yeah. All right. So on the flip side. What do you think is a really underrated fast food item that doesn't get, uh, or and it could just be the simple, uh, basic it's, American classic? It's Arby's French dip. Oh, yeah. Arby's French dip is just delicious. I mean, literally, you got that, you got that cup of broth and sodium and more sodium and more sodium. <laughs> and you're dipping that, that sandwich into, oh, and all soggy and juicy, yeah. The Arby's French dip does not get the love it deserves. That's a that is a masterpiece of fast food. Yes, I was hoping you said White Castle. <laughs> I like White Castle a lot. White Castle's pretty but good, probably, but White Castle just doesn't. Uh, the problem with White Castle is you end up eating a dozen of those little bastards, and then yeah. you end up like really regretting it because it's really too much, mm. you know. And you get, and they're like White Castles are like potato chips. You can't just eat three of those things, right? Yeah. You, you just you can't. You get you get the bag of eight. You get the bag of twelve. Crazy. And really, <laughs> you really should stop at about four. Is right. probably where you should stop. Yeah. No. Because we're just so addictive. Yeah. So I'll I'll give you a hack, by the way, for next time you order a beef uh, a French dip from Arby's, get the beef and cheddar sauce. On the French dip. Really? That. Oh, it's fantastic. 
and but you still dip it in the broth but it's ridiculous it adds a whole new it's it's fantastic and the other thing arby's makes one of my favorite things to drink when i'm smoking cigar i I love their Jamocha shake. Jamocha shake. Jamocha shake, yes. that kind of half coffee, half chocolate. I know it's, you know, unnatural and processed and <laughs> nothing but crap, but it's just a wonderful compliment to a cigar, the Jamocha shake. Absolutely. Tommy says it makes him constipated. 90% of the people I know, it has the opposite effect, White Castle. Yeah. What? Makes you constipated? constipated? It does the opposite. It cleans me right the hell out. Yeah. Whoosh. Wow, does does alcohol make you less drunk? Because that's <laughs> I, I've never I've never been constipated no. after eating White Castle. <laughs> it goes through me like a pneumatic tube. <laughs> All right, um, you know, there's so many things that like people love the milkshakes at Five Guys. I don't think they make particularly good milkshakes. Uh, they're I'm not a fan of Five Guys. I, I'm not they're a big fan of Deller. Yeah, that that's the only thing I like at Five Guys. I don't like the burgers. I like the burger, but I get the condiments I like. I mean, do I think it's yeah. like world class, world shattering? No, but it, it's a decent burger. You know, I, I, like, I like the dogs better than the burgers at Five Guys. Yeah, but the French fries for me, the Cajun oh, spiced ones, Cajun spice French fries. Yeah, oh. those are oh. monstrous all day, all day. All right, I saw that comment by David Floyd. Next time I go to Chick Fil A, I didn't even know they had a caramel shake. I'll, I'll try that. Yeah, I might try that. Yeah. Chick-fil-A has great breakfast sandwiches. They're like honey. Yeah, I actually like their their honey, their honey biscuit chicken. Yes. I like those better. And the other thing that you know what Chick-fil-A has is they just have great employees. Yes. Yeah. You know, all the fast food restaurants, they're the most conscientious. Like they don't do everything perfect, right? It's a fast food restaurant. But mm -hmm. the in and out people have good employees too, right? And you can tell the staff is more like when I drive through my local Wendy's, it's literally like I'm going through a methadone clinic there, right? Like, <laughs> literally every place in the joint is like a methadone. It's like crazy. You know? You know? That's fucked up. <laughs> All right, Steve. Uh, if I never watch this podcast because I'm never getting anything without spit ever again. <laughs> All right. So if uh... – if if uh, one of the big networks was to give you your own late night talk show, who yeah. would be your first celebrity guest? Wow, never thought about this. He's somebody with a really nice rack. Yeah. Oh yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm shallow like that, of course. <laughs> got to got to do something to offset the ugly, right? So, yeah, he gets some hot chick. To... I don't know. I'll never have my own late night show. This is my late night show. <laughs> we're the hot chicks. <laughs> yeah, we're we're the hot chick. You can do better than us, Steve. I mean, <laughs> you know, there seems to be less of the the Instagram cigar chicks lately. Or maybe I just I'm not maybe I'm not following the right people, and I just keep blocking it. But I don't see as much of them as I was seeing like two, three years ago. It seems like it's died down a bit. I'll be honest. I'm spent. I. I don't spend a lot of time on Instagram anymore. Maybe it's a, maybe it was a COVID thing, you know. I did spend a lot of time. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, maybe the the chicks and the Instagram. Stuff it's, it could it, be. It could be. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of free time. Built it, yeah, built it up more. They yeah, bored at yeah. home taking yeah. pictures. Now they got you know real jobs to do. Maybe. So, Steve, <laughs> if uh, if they were if somebody was going to make a documentary about your life, what's what uh, 
what celebrity voice would you want to do the narration? Oh yeah. No, you want you want Mike Rowe, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. There's, like, there's a few like just easy choices. You know, James Earl Jones, Morgan Freeman, you know, but yeah, Mike Rowe. Yeah. He's probably my favorite. You know who I like a lot? Who's um, that? I like Leif Schreiber. Oh yeah. Has, uh, I mean, he does the hard knocks voice narration. Yeah. And uh and I didn't even realize it was Leif Schreiber, to be honest with you. And uh but uh, I think he does a really good job on there. But yeah, I think uh, I think Mike Rowe, he's probably my one of my favorite narrators. Yeah, Leif Schreiber, and he's it is hard to know his real voice because he's done accents in so many movies. Yeah. And like the uh, still one of my favorites, the go- movie Goon, the hockey movie. He's so good. In, he's so good in that movie. I think Daffy Duck would be pretty cool. Shut the fuck up, <laughs> Daffy Duck. <laughs> oh. oh, you're off the show. That's it. You're off. <laughs> it, was good. it was a good run. It was a quick run. It was good. It's all right. Holy crap. Uh, that was a. Uh, Daffy Duck, I'm going to think about that for a while. I'll get back to you. <laughs> Maybe for your documentary about your life. It'd be great. It'd be great. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's jump into this week's Notable Smokables, brought to us by Luciano Cigars. Notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose. Uh, so each week, we all name a cigar that we smoked recently that was notable to us. Now, this could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we smoked for the first time in a very long time. Or this could be a cigar that's brand new to the market that we smoked for the first time ever. Now, obviously, Steve, you're smoking mostly your own stuff. But I know sometimes you reach outside of your own portfolio of some other people's cigars. Is there anything you smoked recently that stood out to you? I just smoked a Halgen. It was really good. <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. Yeah. What did you say? I haven't, I haven't smoked anything. I smoke less and less of other people's stuff. Okay. And, and part of the reason why is we have so much now. Right. That I've covered a much wider spectrum of what, you know, my cigar needs are. And the other problem is with us having so much, I, there's just so much more for me to have to constantly smoke, mm. you know, to just kind of keep on top of it and make sure that everything's right, that there isn't really a lot of time anymore to smoke as much variety as i used to smoke just because of the the work obligations yeah uh justin what's uh notable for you um we had like a huge bonfire i'm talking like probably the size of your garage over the weekend oh, over at my kids did you get a burn house. permit yeah you, they did actually. oh good yeah. you got a firefighter sitting yeah, right here did. you better make so sure you get they it. tried to get it lit it was pretty big uh but i had a tatuaje the chuck from probably three, four years ago that's been sitting around. Yeah, nice. It was good. Very nice. Yeah. Raul, but what about you? Well, it's going to be a Mexican sandwich. The, <laughs> the palpatia. The right? pulpetta. But, uh, thank you. He's, he's going to fucking work. The, pu- the pulpetta. The pulpetta. It's not a Mexican sandwich. Excuse no. me, but it's, you use... It's the, a meatball. Yeah. Don't, don't you use fillers? I mean, uh, no, it's for that? It's... Yeah, it's it's the table trimmings from all of the Maduro productions. So it would be Mike Rita, Tricky Traka, Umbagog, and now some red meat lovers, but not all the materials. We sort out the trimmings and we only use some of them. And then it's the Connecticut Broadleaf, the the outside cuts that we can't use on any cigars that are actually longer than four inches. So it's a it's kind of a it's more of a broadleaf kind of sandwich than anything else. But I've been 
I've been smoking all your stuff this week, just getting ready for the show. And I really enjoyed that. It just surprised me. So what am I, how am I supposed to take that? What does that mean? You're surprised <laughs> that you liked it. What does that mean? You, you were, I think you have to taste like shit. You, I, mean, I love this shit. And I've been smoking a lot lately. <laughs> me Korea black. But the pulpettas are harsher than my other cigars, right? Um, but oddly enough, I think this first batch of pulpettas that's going to go nationwide, I think it's going to be some of the smoothest pulpettas because um, they've been in my warehouse now for already six weeks, mm. and uh, we still haven't shipped them. And uh, I was thinking we we're going to get away with shipping them in November, but I talked to I talked to Cindy and Dave and Ivana about it, and they just they're saying, "Can we just wait till January?" Because we're still struggling to get all the red meat out. We're struggling to get Krakatoa out and holiday still wells about the land. And we just have so much to push out the door and we have a small staff. And so Popettas have now, as of officially yesterday, been delayed for a January release. So okay, I, just, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. And it'll be my cheapest cigar. It's going to be like, I think it's MSRP seven and a quarter. Oh, wow. Beautiful. So yeah, well, look, yeah. It's, it's a price. It's a price based on what the cost is to make it. It's sure. Like, well, and it's a new, for you know cold weather. You know, Steve. You know, uh, if if why I wanted to ship it in November because I'm missing all those November December yeah. turns of people smoking in the cold weather. But yeah, I, I can only I can only ask my team to do so much. Right? They're human. Yeah. Uh, so January it is. Well, my uh, my notable this week was actually a week ago. So our pregame cigar last week, uh, you gave me the the Blackwork Studio Hawaiian Hornet. Mm-hmm. That was a really good cigar. Um, pineapple I, flavor. What makes it Hawaiian? That's, <laughs> well, it's for the uh, for the uh, that wine place, Arfield uh, 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 Wine, right? Yeah, well, Fujioka's or is it Tamara? I know I get confused as to which is the wine place. Uh, isn't it? Okay, can answer that question. Isn't it our fields wine company? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and they've, there's a few places that have done exclusives for them. Uh, like crown heads has done exclusives for them and black works has done exclusives for them. And that, yeah, that Hawaiian Hornet was, it was a really nice cigar. Yeah. Thank you for that brother. It was good. Um, so that was this week's Notable Smokables brought to you by Luciano Cigars. Improving lives through fine cigars. Visit LucianoCigars.com to learn more. Now, let All me right. say this. If I'm Luciano, yeah. I'm a different segment. You basically, he advertises a segment where you talk about what other great company cigars you have. <laughs> Shh. He, he knows what the segment's about. He knows he's the one who wanted that segment. That that guy's not the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> I mean, come on. He asked for that segment. <laughs> I stand by my statement. Just say it. <laughs> I'm just saying. I ain't there for that. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's talk about some coming attractions on how about that cigar live brought to us. By A.J. Fernandez, born and raised in Cuba, A.J. Fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The A.J. Fernandez portfolio of cigars provides blend strength and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer. Whether it's New World, 
Dias de Gloria, San Lotano, Enclave, or Bayas Artes, you are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from A.J. Fernandez. All right, so next week, November 6th, uh, this is pretty cool. We have Kellen Gorbett, and Kellen is from Standard and & Twain, and uh, we learned about them from Instagram and from other, some uh, from some other friends of ours. Yep. They send, uh, you can purchase cigar samplers from them, and they send them with fresh new bands on them that they have put their own band with a QR code on it. So you smoke the cigar and then you scan the QR code after you're done smoking it. So you can find out what it was that you smoked. And I think that's kind of, kind of cool, kind of fun. So we're going to talk to them about that next week. Uh, then on the 13th of November, we have Brett J from Tobacology to talk about the Halligan and some other uh, interesting projects. Uh, then on November 20th, uh, Mr. Jeremiah Merritt returning to the program uh, for the second time. Uh, so, Steve, thank you so much for being on episode 220, my friend. Great to see you again. Appreciate you, brother. This was easy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I promised to keep it under four hours. <laughs> I still got booze left. What am I supposed to do now? We can hey, talk afterwards. Yeah, what, after we go off the air, we don't have to be done. We'll we'll talk off the air. Um, but yeah, thank you, brother, for being on with us. Uh, if you would please give our viewers and listeners an idea, where's the best place for them to keep up with everything going on with Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust? Uh, it's definitely on Facebook for me. I'm a, I'm still I'm I'm an old guy, so I use Facebook. <laughs> so uh, in fact, uh, my staff learns a lot about what's going on from reading my Facebook posts. <laughs> they, they, they give me grief about all the time, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the best place. I mean, okay. Fantastic. Well, brother, thank you again for being on with us. Uh, stick in the green room after we're off the air and we'll, uh, uh, we're talk, we'll talk a little bit. All right, viewers and listeners, guys, thank you so much for watching and listening to How About That Cigar. Uh, we are so grateful for you guys being with us. Uh, please be sure to, I'm losing my words here, please be sure to click on all of the buttons. So there's a like button, there's a subscribe button. You will find that on Facebook and YouTube, uh, and it really helps us out a lot. And we are grateful to you guys for that for 220 episodes. Yeah, Very we appreciate you guys. That. Thanks a lot. Uh, make sure you find us on all your favorite social media platforms at HBT Cigar. If you have questions for us, you can email us on our website, howaboutthatcigar.com. And of course, until we see you guys next time, burn cigars, not bridges. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Any comments, opinions, viewpoints, or statements presented or uttered by guests on the HBTC podcast, HBTC live video streams, and all other media from HBT Media LLC are solely those of the individual and do not necessarily represent the opinions or viewpoints of How About That Cigar or its parent company, HBT Media LLC, any of our advertising partners, or the premium cigar industry. The primary purpose of How About That Cigar is to entertain and to encourage activity and growth within the community of people who enjoy or want to learn about the enjoyment of premium premium cigars.